In 2 Samuel 3, we are going to meet a man named Abner. And Abner is the proverbial fence-sitter. He wasn't really with David. He wasn't really against David. It was all about self. And he sat on the fence. And he really is a man that could not be trusted. But he was a fence-sitter. And I have a question for you. Are you a fence-sitter? Are you sitting on the fence? Have you not decided which king and kingdom you're going to serve? I challenge you to think about that. And it's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Absalom, whom David loved very deeply, would lead a painful rebellion against the king. And Absalom would die. Uh, He would be murdered or killed in battle, actually, by Joab, who was David's commander. So this is the son, I think, that David wanted to have him follow uh, David as king, but it didn't work out. Maka, by the way, end of verse 3, the daughter of Talmai, was in an area where David had done a raid. If you write down 1 Samuel 27, 8, and 9, David went into this place. He slew all these people. It seems wrongly. And he took this daughter captive and she became his wife. I'm sure you're all noticing that David has multiple wives. And we've said that the king was not supposed to multiply wives to himself. He was warned. The kings of Israel were warned not to do this. And they did it over and over and over again. So he took her as a wife. The fourth born to David was Adonijah, the son of Haggith. The fifth was Shephatiah, the son of Apatol. The sixth and the final was Ethrium by David's wife Eglot. These were born to David at Hebron. So sons five and six, we have very little information about. After relocating his capital to Jerusalem, we'll see in chapter five, David took on even more wives. But here he has multiple wives. And I think in this uh, this section, we have six sons born to him by six different women. So I'll just say to you, David's life was complicated. Would you agree? Now, he made these decisions. And look, Eastern kings of this time had something that we need to be familiar with as we think about the backdrop. And they had what was called harems. Now, the king of Israel was not supposed to follow the ways of the other eastern kings, but David did do that. And people let him get away with it. And for all practical purposes, God let him get away with it. But I'm sure you've noticed in life, God will let you do many dumb things. Have you noticed? I mean, I I experience this on a weekly basis. (laughs) Right? Not every decision that I make is a wise decision. And God rarely stops me. Now, some of you say, I wish he would more. He often warns me. He prods me. I often hear that still small voice saying, Michael, don't do that again. I'm trying to learn to heed that voice. But this is the battle that we have. And so David had to learn the hard way. We're trying to spare next generations of having to learn the hard way. But it seems like every generation keeps repeating the same mistake. 
And it came about while there was war between the house of Saul, verse 6, and the house of David, that Abner, now he's going to be a main character as we move on, was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now, Abner was a man who was a classic opportunist. He was politically shrewd. In fact, the only, way, the only reason that Ishbosheth was king in the north was because Abner had put him into that spot. Abner had pushed it. And the power behind the northern kingdom, if you will, if I can put it that way, was Abner. Abner was the one that was calling the shots. Abner was the, the one that was doing the, the battling and the maneuvering. So the fact that the house of Saul was growing weaker, to me, meant Abner was growing weaker. I think Abner realized that David was the man and he was starting to lose. And Abner was all about self. Abner was a fence sitter. He liked to play both sides. He liked to be on the winning team. He was a bandwagon fan. I was watching the Little League World Series recently and they had given nicknames to a lot of the uh, players from the United States. I can't remember what the team was, but they called one of the kids on the team Bandwagon. That was his nickname. And the announcer said, why do they give him the nickname Bandwagon? He says, he, he only likes the winning team, so whoever's in first place becomes his team. Now, I don't know how many of you are Bandwagon fans. I hope you're not. I hope you're faithful to your team. I hope you're faithful to the Dodgers, for example. We're going to have a war. We're going to have a church split over that. Now, I will tell you something that's happened between me and Matthew. Matthew is a Patriots fan. I? Whew, man, it's going to get heavy in the room. None of the spiritual stuff got the response, but now we're talking football, right? Now, I am a longtime Steeler fan. I have a Steeler blankie I cuddle with every night. Matthew has a yellow and black truck. It is crying out for a large Steeler sticker on the back window. I've been threatening Matthew with that, although he's been threatening me back that he's going to place little Patriot stuff in my office. So there's a long war going on within the church, and I see other jerseys, family members sitting in here today. We won't go there. <laughs> anyway. So here's Abner, and he is really the power behind the side of Saul, if you will, or Ishbosheth. Now, Saul had a concubine, verse 7, whose name was Rizpah, part of the harem, if you will, of Saul, who has now died. She's the daughter of Ayah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Now, Ishbosheth finds out that. Abner has had a relationship with daddy's concubine. And he confronts Abner. And Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth, verse 8. And he said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Now, this is one of the great lines in the Bible. Am I a dog's head? I've been working on this all week. Like if I'm at dinner and somebody won't pass me the potatoes, I'm going to start using this. What am I, a dog's head? I don't know if I should be using it, but. <laughs> now notice what he says. He says, today I show kindness to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hands of David, and yet today you charge me with guilt concerning the woman? Now, do you sense a little deflection from Abner? Now the Bible doesn't say 
that the, the charge against him was accurate, but I don't see any reason to doubt that this is what he did. He started messing around where he didn't belong. In fact, concubines, by the way, were the sole property of the one who was inheriting the throne. The deceased king's harem belonged to the one who was claiming the kingdom or next on the throne. So writers, when you read a little bit about this, say that if you were to do this with a concubine, it wasn't just about the physical act. It was about you saying the kingdom belongs to me. What was happening basically is Abner was making a play for the throne by this activity. By disgracing Ishbosheth, by saying, I'm the real power. Your harem belongs to me. He was making a claim for the throne. So Ishbosheth confronts Abner. And Abner, of course, you know, basically brushes it aside. And here's what he says. Something like this. After all I've done for you, man, I've propped you up. I haven't given you over to David. I've protected you. And you get mad at me for being with this woman? Wow. Do you see what he's doing? Abner is manipulating Ishbosheth. Have you ever confronted someone and all of a sudden they turn it around and you feel like you're the guilty party and you're like, wait a minute, where do we start again on this? There's some people who are classic about turning things around. Wait a minute, hold on. Didn't Abner just do what we would call the classic blame shift by charging, he says, you charge me with guilt? You think I'm the guilty party? You are the guilty party. Now we could discuss the morals of the situation, which are a big problem, but, but Abner was guilty. I heard a story told by a pastor this week. He, was, he told a story about a woman who had, she had grown very lonely. She wanted someone to talk to. So she went to this pet store and she, she went and got a parakeet. And the parakeet, you know, could talk back to her. And that's really what she was looking for, someone to talk to, someone who would speak back to her. So she brought the parakeet home. She had it in a little cage. She began to talk to it and was hoping that it would talk back to her. And nothing for a whole week. The parakeet said nothing. So she went back to the store. She said, I don't know what's the deal with this parakeet. It won't talk. Store owner says, oh, you, got, you need to get a ladder. If you get a ladder, the bird will climb up and down the ladder and It'll be active and it'll talk to you. So she bought the ladder, brought it home, started trying to talk to the parakeet. Nothing. A whole, a whole another week goes by. She goes back to the store. The thing's not talking to me. Oh, you need to get a mirror. When it sees itself in the mirror, it, it'll, it'll be energized and it'll talk back to you. It brings the mirror home, in the, puts it in the cage. The bird's there. She's trying to talk to it. Nothing. So she goes back to the store. She says, Hey, this bird's not talking to me. What should I do? Oh, here's what you need to do. You need to get a swing for the parakeet. If you get a swing for the parakeet, it'll swing back and forth. And then when you talk to it, it'll talk back to you. So she gets the swing. She got the mirror. She got the ladder. She's trying to talk to the parakeet. Nothing from the bird. All of a sudden, she looks in the cage, and one day, the bird just falls over dead. She's like, man, I have been ripped off by this pet store. She goes back to the owner, and she says, that bird not only didn't talk to me, the bird is dead. It's dead. And the owner of the store said, well, did he say anything before he died? She said, yes. He said he had some final words before he died. What did he say? He said right before he died, do they sell any food at that pet store?
Hey folks, I've been telling you about different ways that you can connect with Walk in Truth. And one of the ways you can do it through modern technology is download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll have access to all kinds of cool resources, including one thing I'm going to highlight today, which is a devotional. It's a video devotion I've done on, will God give you any more than you can handle? Question mark. I'm sure you've had that question. It's a five minute video devotion. It'll bless you. You can refer friends to it and hopefully it'll help you with your walk. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and check out the devotion today. God bless you. She's like, man, I have been ripped off by this pet store. She goes back to the owner and she says, that bird not only didn't talk to me, the bird is dead. It's dead. And the owner of the store said, well, did he say anything before he died? She said, yes. He said he had some final words before he died. What did he say? He said right before he died, do they sell any food at that pet store? Just let that settle for a second. Anyway. <laughs> so now Abner starts making these grand statements. He's, he says, may God do so to Abner and more also if the Lord uh, has sworn, if, if as the Lord has sworn to David, I do not accomplish for him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul to establish the throne of David. I think this is the first mention of the throne of David, by the way, over Israel and over Judah from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. And he could no longer, Ishbosheth could no longer answer Abner a word because he was afraid of him. So basically, when confronted, Abner the fence sitter says, okay. If you don't like what I did, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make David the king of everything. Since I'm the one that propped you up anyway, you've lost me, man. And out Abner goes to make David the king. Some of you have Abners in your life. You're frozen by fear. You won't confront the person. You won't deal with it. And so it goes on. And Ishbosheth was frozen. He was apparently <clears throat> a weak man. He didn't want to fight. And so Abner's allegiance now is going to shift to King David. He was a bandwagon type of guy. But the only reason that Ishbosheth was on the throne in the first place was because of Abner. Abner controlled him, all because of fear. Now Abner, verse 12, sent messengers to David in his place, and he said, Whose is the land? Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel over, you, uh, over to you. So now... The question, who controls the land, I think, shows Abner's true heart. He thinks he controls everything. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. By the way, Abner is going to fall hard at the end of this chapter. But right now he's playing both sides and he sends messengers to David. And he says, look, I'll, I'll give you the kingdom. I'll put it into your hands. And he said, David said, good, I will make a covenant with you. Should David have done that? I'll let you decide that. But I demand one thing of you, said David, namely, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michal or Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come to see me. So David sent a message back and he said, I want my wife back. This was a woman that David had gotten from Saul, Saul's daughter. And uh, 
Saul took her away from David because he hated him. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 18, 20 that she loved David. In 1 Samuel 19, 11 through 17, she lied to her father to protect David. But Saul gave her to a, a man named Palti. A lot of wives here now. A lot going on. This is David's first wife as far as I can recall. And he had lost her, but now he wanted her back. And she came from the house of Saul, so there was some symbolic stuff going on. I heard of a man who went into a store and he saw a very pretty woman. And he said to her, you look like my third wife. And she said, how many times have you been married? He said, twice. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so... David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife, Michael, to whom I was betrothed for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Paltiel, the son of Laish. But her husband went with her, weeping as he went, and followed her as far as Baharim. Then Abner said to him, Go return. So he returned. Now here's the sad scene. She's taken from this second marriage this other marriage, and she's going to be given back to David, which seems like it should be correct, but the husband who is married to her now is like behind this procession, weeping, no, 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 and I don't know how she felt. I know she loved David at one time, but I don't know. I don't know what her emotions were, but the husband's weeping, and basically he's told, go back home, and in some ways, maybe this is David claiming the, the whole kingdom since she's the, from the household of Saul. Now Abner, verse 17, had consultation with the elders of Israel. He said, in times past, you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies." we'll see that these words really match prophecies or words given about David, that David would rule. Uh, here's my question, though. If, if, he, if Abner knew these prophecies about David, why did he put Ishbosheth as king in the north in the first place? Everybody with me? Abner was the cause of the problem. Abner played both sides of the fence, but in the end, bloodshed war, and everything that had happened was because of Abner. Abner knew the truth but would not follow the truth. I know that is shocking to many people. But there are many people today who know that Jesus is the king. They know that Jesus is Lord, and they will not follow him. And for a while, that's what Abner did, and now his motives are in question. Who is this guy? Is he really sincere? Now, Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. This guy's everywhere, kind of being David's spokesman. And in addition, Abner went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron, verse 19. All that seemed good to, uh, to Israel and all to the house of Benjamin. All this seemed good. Abner was a good salesperson. He was a traveling salesman. He went and spoke here. He spoke there to this group and that group. And Abner and 20 men with him came to David at Hebron. And David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. There's a movie, I think it's out on Netflix right now. It's about the history of McDonald's. Have you guys seen this movie? 
And what's interesting about the history of McDonald's is that the guy that became the president of McDonald's was not the original founder of the restaurant. It was two brothers. The McDonald's brothers in San Bernardino started a single restaurant, came up with a whole system of doing things, of producing what we would call fast food. And a traveling salesman, I think he was selling milkshake machines at the time, saw their operation, stopped for a cheeseburger or was trying to sell them a milkshake machine and basically stole the name and the corporation from these two brothers. That's the history of McDonald's, by the way. It's sad. The two brothers realized that they've been basically duped by this man and they made some mistakes as well. And at the end of the movie, there's people who go to the original McDonald's and take their name off the building. They can't even use their own name anymore. Wow. I don't know how many of you eat at McDonald's, but if you do, you should just repent now. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not going to make commentary about where you should eat. But. So Abner and 20 men came with, uh, with him came to David at Hebron 20. David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. Abner said to David, let me arise and go and gather all Israel to my Lord, the king, that they may make a covenant with you, that you may be king over all that your soul desires. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. From David's side, Abner was uh, a tool. And the kingdom was coming to David and that was right. That's what should have been happening. So David had a feast for him. There, there was peace, end of 21. Behold, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid, brought much spoil with them. Maybe uh, David had purposely sent Joab away. But Abner was not with David in Hebron. For he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him arrived, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king. He has sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Three times, there's 21, 22, 20, uh, 21, 22, 23. He's gone in peace. He's gone in shalom. He's gone in peace. Now, Joab has a little bit of revenge in his heart towards Abner. Do you remember Why? Abner killed Asahel, his brother. And he had been nursing revenge in his heart. He wanted to take Abner out. So he returns from a raid, and he gets word that Abner's just been feasting with the king. And not only that, but King David released Abner away in peace. Now, when Abner came back, he was thinking, or when Joab came back, he was thinking, Abner's just been right here? Are you kidding me? This guy is someone I want to deal with. Well, I'll say this. Even if you've been kind of like an Abner, you can have peace with the king because he dies while we are yet sinners. He died for us. He himself is our peace, Ephesians 2.14. So the ways of the king were peaceful with Abner, but Joab was having none of it. And Joab came to the king and he said, 24, what have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why then have you sent him away? And he is already gone. You know Abner, the son of Ner, that he came to deceive you and to learn of your going out and coming in and to find out all that you are doing. Are you that naive king? Can you imagine how this is the commander coming to talk to the king? He's basically saying, what have you done? What is your problem? Don't you know that this man's my mortal enemy? Don't you realize he came to spy you out? He's trying to pull a coup here. He wants your throne. He wants to find out your maneuverings. Don't you see it, king? He wants to see all that you're doing. 
Psalm 120 says, in my trouble I cried to the Lord, and he answered me, deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. Psalm 120, verses six and seven says, too long has my soul had its dwelling with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Have you ever tried to be a peacemaker in a family squabble? Sometimes you find referees in the middle of fights in baseball or hockey. I love the refs in hockey, though. The refs in hockey just stand there and let them pummel each other. Have you noticed that? Bam, bam, bam. And then as soon as they fall on the ice, then they, I think they've learned. See, all the hockey players are missing teeth anyway, so the ref figures, you know what, I'll just wait. I want to keep my teeth, right? Then they go down on the ground. This is what I used to do when my boys were younger. Let them duke it out a little bit, and then, then you get involved. Anyway. <laughs> so here's what's going on. Joab came out from David. He sent messengers after Abner, probably in the name of the king, 26. And they brought him back from the well of Syrah. But David didn't know about it. So when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the middle of the gate, probably just outside the city gate, because Hebron was a city of refuge, by the way, to speak with him privately. So basically, Joab sends message, a message in the name of the king. He meets him. He says, hey, come over here. Let's have a conversation in private. Takes him apparently right outside the city gate, outside the city of refuge. And then here's what happens. He struck him in the belly so that he died on, the, on account of the blood of Asahel, his brother. Come here. Come into my office for a second. But Joab had a sword. And he thrust Abner through, and Abner died. Now, all the morals here of the situation and revenge and all of that, we know Asahel died in a war. This was personal vengeance. The king is not going to approve of it, but Abner lived by the sword, and he died by the sword. You know, when you have somebody like an Abner, here's what happens. If you manipulate enough situations inevitably it comes back to bite you, or in this case, to pierce you. And Abner was killed on the spot. And this guy was a great warrior. He was a commander, and he died. And afterward, David heard it. Uh, it says, when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab, 27, took him aside. He, he killed him, struck him in the belly, so that he died on account of the blood of Asahel, his brother, Joab's brother. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are innocent before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. This was not the king's way. The king's way is for peace. We know David did some stuff, but David was a man of peace. He wanted peace in his kingdom. This was not the way of the king. Hey, folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals. And you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth, and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.